are going to read from John chapter 14, verses 15 to 31, page 1082 in the Pew Bibles. If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day you will realize that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us? and not to the world. Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. You heard me say, I am going away and I am coming back to you. If you loved me, You would be glad that I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. I will not say much more to you, for the Prince of this world is coming. He has no hold over me, but when he comes so that the world may learn that I love the Father and do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Come now, let us leave. Let's just pray. Oh, send thy spirit, Lord, now unto me, that he may touch my eyes and make me see. Show me the truth concealed within thy word, and in thy book revealed, I see thee, Lord. Amen. Well, we've got to week number two in our still fairly new series, Keeping in Step with the Spirit. So last week, Ross introduced us with the first. We had the Spirit and Jesus. And today, we are moving on to the Spirit and the Word. What comes to your mind when we say the Word? 
Here is a passage that we read frequently at Christmas. John 1, start of John's Gospel. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. A passage that we frequently read at Christmas, probably virtually every year at Christmas. Not a passage that has the normal Christmas narrative to it, but the one that John chooses to start his gospel to introduce Jesus to us. Jesus is the Word, Word with a capital W. He was with God in the beginning. He was there when the world was created. He is the full expression of the Godhead in human terms. So, Jesus himself said in John chapter 14, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So that as all these people who lived all 2,000 years ago, as they walked around, as they interacted, as they were sick and came to Jesus for healing, as they sat and listened to Jesus preach, as they were in Jesus' family seeing him grow up, they were seeing God's revelation as to what God is like. How does he act? How does he speak? What does he do? We've been looking at Luke's gospel recently as well, and we've been looking at some stories as to how Jesus interacted with different people. And in the house group material, I don't know if your house group has been doing Luke, but mine was, and we did one of the questions that said, in Luke chapter 7, what are the different ways in which Jesus has interacted with the group of people that were in, in Luke 7? So we had a centurion, if you can remember about this, a few weeks back preaching, it's a good revision for you. So we had the centurion, and he came to Jesus, and he said, I believe that if you just speak the word, that you can heal my servant. And Jesus saw his faith and did what he asked. We had Jesus' compassion as he happened to walk past a funeral and see this woman who was devastated because her son had, had died. And he ministered to, to them in that situation. To John the Baptist, who sent his followers to say, help, I've got some doubts. Are you really the person that we're expecting the Messiah? Can you please just answer some of the doubts I have about this? To the prostitute who was willing to come and put her tears over Jesus' feet, to use her oil and to anoint him. And then, of course, at that same occasion, to Simon the Pharisee, who was thinking, what on earth is he doing, allowing that woman to touch? He gives words of rebuke to him. He sees into Simon's heart. So just in that chapter, we have a whole lot of ways in which Jesus interacts differently with each of the people that he is coming in contact with. Maybe you're sitting here thinking, oh, if only I had been around at that time meeting with Jesus. If I'd been able to sit there listening to him preach the Sermon on the Mount. Or maybe in my huge distress because somebody in my family is ill, terminally ill, has died. If only I'd been able to 
meet and touch with Jesus' compassion directly. Maybe you're sitting there thinking that. That would be quite a reasonable thing. If only I had seen Jesus face to face. And yet last week in the passage that Ross brought to us and we read, Jesus actually says, it is better for me to go. Better? How could it actually be better than being face to face with Jesus? But Jesus says, it is better that I go because then the Holy Spirit comes. And in some ways we see this, don't we, now in our world, that if Jesus were here today, he'd only be able to speak to you. But he wouldn't be able to speak to the church down the road or to the congregation in Africa. But because the Spirit has come, many people around this world have had opportunity to hear about Jesus and to get to know Jesus and to know the Father through him. So how has the Spirit done that? So we're moving on to look at word. Let's take it in the context more of a smaller W, the word that we tend to refer to as the Bible. So we look in verses 25 and 26 of this passage that we've read this morning. We see that Jesus says that he is going to remind them. And maybe just after Jesus died or after he descended, can you imagine all these groups of disciples together and they're just reminiscing? Like this tends to happen when somebody's died. We go back over all the stories, all the incidences that we had of our, of our life with them. And they were telling each other stories. They hadn't been taking a notes for a biography as they went through this mission with Jesus. They only started being able to do this once he'd actually gone. And the Spirit says he is going to remind them of the things that they need to be prompted about. He brings things back to their recollection that they'd totally forgotten about. And then as they start to tell each other and they start to write it down, Jesus also says that the Spirit will give you the words. He said, don't worry what it is that you're going to say, because the Spirit will bring these words directly to your mouths and enable you to, to speak them out. And the Spirit, I trust, is still doing that today, that he's bringing back to my recollection now the things that I felt that he's wanted to say, that this sermon will be slightly different to the one that I did at nine o'clock, that the Spirit is bringing to my mind and recollection what he wishes to say and giving the order of the words in, in how they come about. So the Spirit is still doing that today. He also gave understanding, and we see this hugely through the writings of Paul, but some of the other letters and so on as well, that Paul particularly, through the Spirit, was given an understanding of the significance of things that Jesus had done so that he was able to take Jesus' death on the cross and interpret that to us in theological terms as to what really that meant for us and for our salvation. He was able to interpret the Old Testament scriptures and help to tie the two in together in the focus and the lens of looking through Jesus. So that then we have a scripture that 2 Timothy 3.16 tells us all of it is breathed on by God. Ross referred to that last week, that one of the things about the Spirit is that he breathes, he's the breath. And the Holy Spirit has breathed on all of the scripture 
that we are now using to read and to get to know the Father and to understand and learn all about Jesus and his teaching. So the Spirit helps through its inspiration of the Word. He also helps through its interpretation of the Word. I don't know how you come to the Bible and think about reading it. Do you read it as though it were war and peace? I think I maybe read that once. I have a feeling it's quite a thick sort of book. And um, it has obviously characters all based around a period in history. So do we read the Bible as though it were that type of book? Or maybe we read it more as we tend to read the, um, the Narnia Chronicles. Again, there's good stories and there's a deeper meaning. And if we search, we can work out that Aslan actually represents Jesus. Or do we read it like a biography? Loads of biographies around. Do we just read it as though it was just somebody telling us about somebody's life? Or do we read it like the highway code? So there's loads and loads of points, and if you want to do your driving test, you have to have learnt sufficient points that you can then pass a test. But not just pass a test, hopefully for most of us driving, but having learnt all the different points in the highway code, it will keep us on the right side of the law, and hopefully also keep us in having fairly safe driving on the basis that other people have read it as, as well. So maybe we read it a bit like that, an instruction book of rules, regulations, do this, and that is how you can have an end result. But actually, Jesus says here, and he says, without the Spirit, we can't understand. And we have that Jesus himself talked about he spoke in parables. And the, the disciples said, why did you speak in parables? We can't quite understand really what this is all about. And so Jesus is actually saying, even and then, I'm not making these stories, I'm not making scripture just to be so plain and simple that everybody can understand it. So we actually need the Holy Spirit to understand it, which is why there are people out there who do study and read the Bible and just don't still have any personal faith in Jesus because we need the Holy Spirit to understand what is written. The Jews, they also believed that the scripture that they read had been inspired by God, that it was God's word. They took that very seriously and therefore they had all these Pharisees who would work out and they say, ah, this means, and they therefore add another little rule and regulation because they were trying to interpret what actually it would mean. And so we know that they too struggled. And looking back, Jesus, the full revelation of, of God, that we have the rich young ruler came to Jesus. And he was obviously very devout. He had been studying scripture. And he comes to Jesus and said, but what do I need to do for eternal life? And Jesus says, well, have you been reading scripture? He says, yeah, I've been trying to do all these things. But maybe I still don't quite get it. And Jesus just looked at him and said, the thing for you is that you need to give away your possessions to the poor. Jesus saw straight to that man's individual need, spoke to his particular individual thing. 
And that, unfortunately, that man went away sad. But the Holy Spirit acts for us as our individual tutor. He is able to bring the message to you that the Father has for you today. The message that he has for you will be different to the message that he has for the person sitting next to you. That it's not just about the highway code. Probably all of us, we can't just say, well, I only want that one. And I'm not suggesting it's only about one, but it's about the individual one that you need now. So, for instance, I'm sure most of you are aware that in England, in our schools, we have a thing called a national curriculum. So there is a big set of instructions as to what needs to be taught when. So in year one, you should be doing these certain things, and I think it covers the type of history you should be doing, geography you should be doing, and we need to do certain languages and so on. And this works through our whole schooling system, that there is a curriculum that is to be, to be followed. Now, when Ian was at school... Um, he slightly struggled, it has to be said, to keep up with the curriculum that was being taught in, in each of the classes. So they have another thing in schools, at least certainly for children like Ian, is called an IEP, an Individual Education Plan. And every year we would have a meeting at the school, and sometimes every term, where they would look at the things that Ian did understand now. And they would have a slight idea as to maybe where it was, what was the next stepping stone that he needed to build up to be able to do, do certain things. Things in his levels of understanding about what certain words or concepts meant, about um, how he was managing to learn with his reading or catching a ball or all kinds of things. And they were all put into his individual education plan. His plan for school was totally individually for him. And the Holy Spirit gives us an individual education plan. He takes the whole of Scripture, the whole knowledge of God that he wishes to impart, as it might be the whole of the national curriculum, but he makes it into the individualized plan for each one of you. So how is it that we might hear the Spirit speak to us? How might we actually receive that individual plan? We have to ask him. We actually have to ask him to come and be our individual tutor, to be the person who is going to give us the eyes, the understanding to realize what it is that the Father is saying to us now. As I said before, parables and scripture was not designed to be easily understood. Scripture is not designed to be easily understood. I'm sure most of you could find a passage fairly easily that, whether it's Paul's letters, Old Testament, anything, you read it and you think, what actually is this about? How is it relevant to me? And that is the job of the Holy Spirit to minister to us. It's a great story in Acts chapter 8. We've got this Ethiopian. He's in a chariot going across the desert road, and he's doing what many people might do in a long journey. He's got a book. 
and he's reading scripture. But he can't understand it. And the Holy Spirit says to Philip, who's away over there, see that guy over there? Go close. So Philip wonders what's going on here. So he goes a bit closer and he realizes this this Ethiopian is reading scripture. So he just says, do you understand what you're reading? How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit in the chariot with him. By inviting Philip, they were inviting the Holy Spirit in so that he could hear. And Philip explained what this passage of scripture was all about. And that Ethiopian came to faith and was baptized on on the spot. A great story as to how the Spirit comes in, opens our eyes and gives us understanding. What are we looking for when we get to scripture are we looking for information are we looking for knowledge so in other words study now study is a great thing to do but are we looking in order that we could be able to talk about all the different occasions in which baptism is mentioned in scripture are we looking to just be so good at our Bible when no matter reading is given that we can rush straight to where it is? We, we know it. We understand what all the story is about, what the teaching is behind all these different things. Or are we reading scripture that it might transform us, that it might change how we live our lives? Do we read scripture as an obligation Or is it a delight? I'm afraid research says that many Christians actually aren't bothering to read their Bibles very much. Or maybe you are in a a duty of how you do it. Maybe you're determined to try and get through and read the Bible in a year. All different and good ways of engaging with Scripture. So, sorry Sean, I'm just now at the beginning of how might we hear him speak. (laughs) So, Maybe you've got a question in your mind. Maybe you've come to church this morning and there is something that you just, is an unanswered question. And as you sit and read a passage, or it could be a song that you've you've sung or anything else in any part, that suddenly as you read it, you just feel that's the answer to that need. That's the answer to that question. You just feel that small voice in your ear of, That's what I was looking for. That's what I needed to hear. Or maybe that word may have been given to somebody else, a bit like maybe it was given to Philip, that God may prompt somebody else and say, I think this word here would be really helpful to that person over there. So they write you a card with this verse, or they phone you up, or they come and speak to you and say, You know, I just have a feeling that God wants you to consider this verse. Is that for you? It may be that a word just might suddenly jump out of the page. I remember Andy Caldwell probably doing a similar sort of sermon to this a good few years ago. And he mentioned a word jumping out of the page. And, you know, I kind of thought it's almost a bit metaphorical. It's the same thing as something speaking to you. And... um, 
until it happened to me. And I was reading my Bible one evening, and that was my habit. It still is my habit. And probably I was slightly going through the motions. You know, let's get it finished, and then go on and off to sleep. And, and as I was reading this passage, which was in Deuteronomy 30, this word jumped out the page. So if all the, everything was font size 8, then this word suddenly jumped out. It was font size 200. It's a word. I thought, oh, what was that? What on earth was that? Oh. So I went back to the beginning and I started to read it again. Now, I shall tell you that the word was a B, but it's probably, I think it was the last a B in this passage. This was the passage I was reading. Now, what I am commanding you today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. It's not up in heaven so that you have to ask who will ascend into heaven to get it and proclaim it to us so that we may obey it. Nor is it beyond the sea so that you have to ask who will cross the sea to get it and proclaim it to us so that we may obey it. No, the word is very near you. It is in your mouth, in your heart, so that you may obey it. Well, as you can imagine, having heard the word it was a bee, I went back and read it. I read it again. I have to say, I wasn't any the wiser. Okay, so there's something that I know, something that I've got to obey. But what is it? And I, I just didn't know. I had read it a good few times. So I had to go off to sleep saying, well, obviously God wants me to obey something, but I don't know what it is. And so I... It probably heightened my awareness. I was aware there is something, there is some point that God is going to make it clearer to me what it is that I need to obey. So every time I read scripture, as I went about my life, as I was doing asking questions, I was thinking, there's obviously something here that I'm not obeying. What is it? Now, it took me, I think it was probably another four or five weeks before something else actually happened to me. And at that point, I suddenly realized I'd been going down this path, and it was a good path. It wasn't a bad path. That actually God was saying, no, I'm actually asking you to do something else, and you're not hearing me because you're so convinced that the path you're on is the right and the good one. And whenever I just pulled myself back, I was able to do the thing that, that God was actually asking me to do. And I suppose it was because I did have a good habit of reading scripture that God was able to speak to me in, in that particular way. So one way in which God can use scripture, even although we haven't necessarily come to it with the, the best of intentions, as maybe was my, my case. We might also be spoken to by the Holy Spirit by meditating or memorizing scripture. Maybe you memorize odd verses. They can be really good and powerful if you have a particular problem that keeps on occurring and you know if this, you recite this verse to you, it'll help just keep you on the right track. A great w way of staying on track and that the, the Spirit speaks to you. But maybe you'd be wanting to memorize sometimes a whole passage of Scripture. When I was at Spring Harvest um, this Easter, I heard Nathan Foster speaking and he is the son of Richard Foster, who wrote Celebration of Discipline, which I know a number of you will have read. So Nathan has 
had decided that it would be a good idea to try and try out his dad's books and write a journal as to how he'd got on of doing um, stuff with all these various disciplines. Um, And so as he was researching this, he spoke to somebody who said to him, memorizing scripture, a really great, powerful thing to do. Get a passage. So he got his passage, decided he would give this a go. And so I think we're probably talking about a chapter it was. He had various um, ideas as to how to do it, so he read it, he wrote it out. It's a bit like doing lines, isn't it? Wrote it and wrote it. He had it on the handlebars of his bike, so that as he cycled along, he was reading it. And he just made no progress. And he was really starting to get really quite um, despondent. You know, this shouldn't really be so, so difficult that he just couldn't manage to learn the the words of this passage that that he was trying to learn. But then a few weeks later, something disrupted his life. And then he realized that actually his response as to how he was living the life had been changed because of the passage that he was reading. So while he still couldn't actually memorize and recite it as though he was reciting it on the stage, the Spirit had taken the word and made it part of his life so that he was living the passage. So maybe that's something that you could consider as well. Or lastly, another method that we could do is the ancient practice of Lectio Divina. Sounds very Latin, I know. And that's where you probably, it's very slow reading. Again, take a passage, a small passage, read it. Then reread it. Mark it with a pen. What are the words? Where does the spirit just say, stop? Consider that a little bit more. Pray it through. Contemplate on it until we're hearing the Father speak to us. There was a story that I'd read of a, a young curate who went on a retreat to a monastery as certain people do. And so he went and he met this monk on this retreat who was to be his spiritual director. So this person was going to um, give him a passage and help grow him in his, his spiritual life. So the curate arrives and meets this monk who gives him this passage to study. And I think the passage was the Jesus meeting the Samaritan woman at the well. So he goes away, sits, this is you know, it's one of these places all of silence, and so here he is with his passage to, to consider. And so he reads it, and he thinks, I know this one. I've preached a few sermons on this. So he writes down all these different notes and so on. So he goes back the, the next day to see the, his spiritual director, who asks him, well, what did God say to you? So he talks through all these theological things that he knows about this passage. And, um, but the monk says, but what did... God say to you? Oh, I don't know. We'll go and spend another day with it. So he finds some more angles to preach on, on this passage and goes and the same thing happens again. Now this happens day upon day. By the time he's getting to day three, four, he's thinking, oh dear, I'm wasting my money. I, shouldn't, I should have gone and retreat somewhere else. You know, the only passage, please give me a different passage to, to read. But the monk was most insistent that he just stick with this passage until he heard God speak. 
And as he had to start putting aside all the things that he'd been taught, all the sermons he'd preached, all the things he knew about this, then he heard God's small voice speak to him individually. That God was actually saying something to him personally. And he went back to the monk and he said, I've heard now. I've actually heard what it is that the Father wants to say to me. So maybe that's something that you might like to try as a a different way of hearing the, the Spirit speak to you. So just recapping, let's just think a bit. What have you heard the Spirit say to you this morning? It may be in the Bible reading that we've read. It may be in one of the songs. It might be in the prayers. All different places. But what has the Spirit said to you this morning? How do you approach your reading of the Bible? As a how-to manual? Or a good story? Or something that would change your life and how you live it? Or something that just even expresses the Father's closeness to you, his love for you, his care for you, as you walk along life together. As we listen to stories of Abraham and Moses and their communion with God, is that our experience? Do we imagine what it actually might have been like to have been Abraham, how is he speaking to to us? Are you eager to hear the words from your personal tutor? Maybe the rich young ruler might not have gone back to Jesus again because he didn't like, like the words. Are we actually not asking the Spirit because we don't want to hear what he has to say? Are we willing to ask him to come and speak to us directly? And are we willing to be changed by the Spirit? The Spirit's work is to transform us into people who look like, act like, behave like Jesus. Whatever the Spirit asks you to do, he also gives you the ability to do it. He gives you the means. He does not ask anything that he is not giving the tools and the power to do. Trust him and be changed by the word of God. Maybe you should just take a couple of minutes just in that quietness as we're preparing ourselves for coming to the Lord's table And if those who are serving could come forward, that would be great.